This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Winnorp of Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all here's Andrea Kitter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attacks. Stay metal. Rolling from Airborne, and you're rocking out to Mars Attacks. And rock and roll coming from Mars. Hey everybody, this is Steve Smythe from One Machine. You're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it up. Welcome one and all to episode 136 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And we welcome you back for two great new interviews as we did with the last episode it will be one brand new interview that i've just recently done with ryan o'keefe from the band airborne and the second interview is one of the interviews from the archives per se it was recorded right around this time uh, last year with steve Smythe of the band one machine the name may sound familiar to you because some of you may know him from his work in previous projects um, like Nevermore. He was also in Testament for a little bit as well. Uh, But we had a chance to catch up to him last year to discuss the last uh, One Machine album. And I do apologize for taking this long to get the interview out there. I want to apologize to Steve for doing so. Um, cause Steve's been nothing but great to the show. Whenever we've done things with the classic album series, he's reached out and, or, or vice versa, I've reached out to him and he's been nothing but great when it comes time to submit comments, uh, for the series. So, uh, again, uh, apologies to him. And at the same time, I do want to say that that last one machine album is just fantastic. And I'm not saying that just to blow smoke up anyone's ass. I really uh, enjoy the album. I really enjoy the topic, you know, that it centers around. Uh, There's a really cool track by Killing Joke called The Great Cull. And speaking to Steve regarding the album, it reminded me, I guess a lot of the same topics are are, are touched upon uh, between that album and this uh, specific track. So, and as I'm fumbling through my notes here, I apologize. The Final Cull is the name of the One Machine album. Definitely check it out. There will be links to pick it up in the show notes. Um, And speaking of fumbling, 
we did get to talk about the Raiders because he is a huge Raiders fan. Uh, his guitars, if you ever see his signature series, BC Rich, are all silver and black, thanks to uh, that Raiders influence. So there you go. We talk about the Raiders. It was last year. Unfortunately, Raiders went 7-9 and nine last year. So uh, I'm sure that was not to his liking, although he was pumped with getting, well, I'm not going to give it away. We, we talk about the NFL American football initially, so there you go. Uh, that'll be the second interview this time around. And like I said, Ryan O'Keefe from Airborne will be the, the first interview. Um, so, yeah. Been a few weeks since I put a podcast out. Been meaning to do things more frequently. But, of course, IT issues spring up. Nice little virus um, on one of my computers, thanks to my dumb luck. and Or not dumb luck, my stupidity of opening something up that I shouldn't have and not wanting to format cut my losses I didn't I mean that's the easiest thing oh you just format and just reinstall everything yeah that's that's great and all but that whole reinstalling everything and rearranging everything a lot of times just one big pain in the ass so I honestly wanted to circumvent that and since I do have two machines that I work with almost constantly i just spent a week uh, running all types of uh, programs to get rid of, you know, what I had on the machine. And I honestly have to say that uh, what really saved my ass is is a really cool tool that I found. This is free, so don't think that I'm trying to plug anything or or, or anything like that. It's just that this worked out really well for me. And, and again, fumbling to find maybe this damn program. But um, it really saved my ass. It is called Tech Tool Store. It has a bunch of different like malware and virus scanning software that you can run. And it doesn't install it on your system unless you want it to. It'll do the update on for the latest version, and then it'll run whatever it is uh, to try to clean whatever crap you have going on. So I spent days and days and days and days of just doing that. And in the process, changing passwords, doing all that great stuff. And once I could finally get to, uh, you know, working on ear peeler, I was able to do that. And uh, this was on the back seat or the back burner per se until then. So we are back with, with this episode, with 136. So there you go. Um, if you enjoy this, let people know about it. Give us a review on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on G Plus and Tumblr. So there are links to all that right on the top and the bottom of MarsAttacksRadio.com. And you can also check out there's... Uh, another airborne-related interview. I got to speak to David Rhodes uh, a few years back, and David Rhodes, excuse me, and I was able to um, to speak to him, you know, about uh, about the band and whatnot. But this is now with Ryan. If you want to check that out, just 
type in airborne, and you'll be able to find that right there on the MarsAttacksRadio.com. Also, help us out by clicking on the various links to Amazon or any of the affiliate stores that we have set up. Uh, we do have an Amazon store set up. You can go there and purchase you know, various albums or DVDs and whatnot. It'll help us out. You know the drill. You hear everyone and their mother with a podcast describe the same thing. So if you're so inclined to want to help us out, we are extremely grateful for any contributions that you may provide us. And we also have, uh, we're going to be working on a merch store shortly. I set up a merch store for Ear Peeler. If you want to help us out there too, pick up a t-shirt. There are various types of t-shirts, both men's and women's. There's mugs, there's um, coasters, stickers. And I'm not getting rich off of any of this stuff. So, you know, I tried to find what worked out the best for various economic reasons. Uh, being that I am in Europe, I did not want to purchase, you know, a thousand t-shirts and have to ship things from here and charge people 20 bucks for shipping. So I set up a store via Zazzle and what Zazzle does is it allows me to send ship or send things anywhere in the world. Uh, I was split there between saying send shit or ship things. So it allows me to ship things anywhere in the world and not have to, you know, you guys, the listeners that want to help out by picking up merch, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to do so. So there you go. Um, so there will be a Mars Attacks podcast t-shirt shortly with the various logos that I've used over the years. So yeah, there you go. And I just mentioned Ear Peeler. Ear Peeler is the podcasting and interview news site that I have set up. And it's been going on for about a year. Really need your support there. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting good traffic. We just need to help translate that into clicks on, you know, again, Amazon and the various affiliate stores. So... So we're able to get a little bit of kickback. I'm not going to lie to you guys. So, so yeah, so you have that. And with Ear Peeler, I mean, if there's ever a podcast that you don't see on there, if you're a podcaster and you happen to listen to this and you don't see that that we're adding your, you know, the news to, to Ear Peeler, go ahead and, and drop me a line, earpeeler at gmail.com. Give me your RSS feed and all that good stuff regarding your show, your social media links, name of the show. Send me a, a logo to use as well. If it's 300 by 300, that's great. If, if not, just send me what you have and I'll see what I, can, what I can do to work with it, basically. So, and again, thanks for, for everyone that has been checking Ear Peeler out, been getting great reviews. And I appreciate, you know, um, you guys going there to find out about various shows, various bands that are being interviewed as well. So it's all about that. I've also added gear reviews and gear demos, you know, to help fill out content. And, you know, let me, let me know what you guys think about all that. You know, again, drop me a line, earpeeler at gmail.com.
And I also have my other podcast, Galaxy of Geeks. If you're into Star Wars, if you're into Marvel, DC, Game of Thrones, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, any sci-fi related thing, any geek related topic, uh, you can go to galaxyofgeeks.net. You can also subscribe to that podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Plus Store. So yeah, that's uh, Chris Vaglio, who's been on Mars Attacks before, and myself talking about all things geek. We're trying to we're trying to get the band back together, man. We're trying to get Caesar and Ian back on the show. If you've listened to Galaxy of Geeks from the start, you know that we initially started out with four co-hosts, but life gets in the way, and not everyone can participate all the times that they'd like to. So there you go. So that's why me and Chris have been pretty much the the mainstays with that. Anyway, you can find that again, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or just go to galaxyofgeeks.net. So there you go. Moving forward, good friend of the show, Eric Kluber, contacted us a little bit over a week ago. He is in another band. Uh, he he did an interview a little while back talking about Iron Knot, and he also talked about Void Vader. So he sent me a Void Vader track. They've released a video for this track, which will be in the show notes as well. And Eric is multi-talented, whether he's singing and playing bass in Iron Knot or he happens to be playing uh, rhythm guitar to uh, Lucas Kanopka's uh, lead guitar. And the name of this track is Time Has Come by Void Vader.
little Void Vader there. We will link to their Facebook in the show notes if you want to check them out. Go ahead and do so. name of that track was Time Has Come. A lot of times when we mention Eric, we got to talk about one of his former bands, White Wizard. They have a crowdfunding campaign going on right now to try and fund a new album and tour and so on and so forth. Uh, John Leon, James J. LaRue, Wyatt Screaming Demon Anderson, and I'm not quite sure who the drummer is for the, the project at the moment, but uh, we'll have links to that within the show notes as well. Uh, upcoming on the show, we will have interviews with the great Monty Pittman and Richard Christie, so be on the lookout for both of those interviews shortly. In any event, here's the title track off of the new Airborne album, Breaking Out of Hell. And after hearing a sound sample of this track, we'll jump on into the interview with Ryan. Uh, just remember that you can help the show out and help the band out at the same time by clicking on the link in the show notes to this specific album. So... There you go. This track is once again Breaking Out of Hell by Airborne. My first question, um, when all of a sudden did Airborne become the experts on whether Axl Rose should front ACDC or not? It just seemed like all these publications wanted to ask you guys whether you guys felt it was right or not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're honored to be asked such questions. Um, I think one of the things was Joel was, my brother was in the, um, a lot of, uh, sort of publications and things about uh, one of many who should uh, do the job. And he was honored, obviously, to hear about that. But, um, you know, 
Hassel's doing a great job and, and hats off to Angus for um, being able to keep the ship rolling. I, I don't know. People are sort of uh, unfair, I think, to Angus to an extent. When you've been in a band so long, uh, it, it, it isn't easy to just fold up and and go with something else. At least it doesn't seem like to me just the, the band that he's built and the brand that he's built. You know, it, it almost even though you guys haven't been around as long, but if you decided not to call yourselves airborne anymore and decided to call yourself something else, you obviously wouldn't have the same push that you would have if you were still sticking to that airborne brand name. Exactly. And it must've been pretty hard for Angus, especially when, um, you know, first he couldn't tour with his brother, which must've been a, you know, extremely hard. And then, to lose the drummer and then the singer within the same sort of tour. And, you know, funnily enough, the tour was called Rock or Bust, and they didn't go bust. They kept rocking. Absolutely. That's a good analogy. <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to ask, and maybe this is just an observation from the outside, but once Sony picked up Roadrunner, it seemed as if they stopped a lot of the steam that the band had. Um, as far as promotion wise and, and things of that nature, it seemed like the airborne name wasn't out there as much as when Roadrunner was actually fully uh, behind the label. Uh, do you feel that that's a fair assessment or is that completely wrong? Well, I mean, every time a label uh, changes and um, adds new people, it, it is always bumpy. Um you know, we, we started on Capital and then we went to Roadrunner and then now we're on Spine Farm. But one of the things with Roadrunner is we lost a lot of people that we worked with for so many years. The That label downgraded quite extensively um, and then our option was up. And, of course, we moved to Spine Farm to, uh, funnily enough, Jonas, who used to head up Roadrunner New York, now heads up. Spine Farm, uh, so and some other people from Roadrunner, we are now working with on this on this latest record, who have now moved off either to be independent or work with Spine Farm. But every time a label gets taken over or something like that, you always get a bumpy ride. It's just you got to focus on your own goals and your own band to get your own your own sort of mission going. Okay, so you wouldn't consider Spine Farm. An independent label? Well, they have subsidiary of Universal, but their new setup, which is why we were so attracted to them, uh, it does have an independent feel. They've got a kind of a brand new mission statement in a way that they've brought in a lot of new people, a lot of people we've worked with in the past, and already their approach is amazing. Hence, like we recorded this latest album in Australia where all the other ones we've done were here in the US and we were never given that option in the past to just go home and do a record and then fly out Bob Marlette, who we did the first record with, and Mike Fraser, a well-renowned uh, engineer. You just touched upon uh, Bob Marlette and obviously he worked with you guys on the first album. How important was it to get your you know, get back to working with him and more or less as what's mentioned in the bio for the album, um, get the exact team that you guys wanted to work on this new album. Well, it was always one of those things. We were always wanting to work with Bob again and he, he always wanted to work with us. Um, and within a few minutes of seeing him, we were already working on the first song 
there's a few quick hugs and, and a, you know, it was just like my little children have grown up and then basically we were down to work. Um, and he pulled out a lot more again, like songs like Rivalry and stuff like that. Um, he He's something about Bob about getting the most out of a band. You touched upon the importance of recording the album back home in Australia. What's the biggest difference between doing the album at home as opposed to having to fly to the States and do the album? Well, it was just, I guess, for just our past experiences of cutting our teeth as a band growing up, you know, where we were recording the album, just down the road was, you know, some of the old clubs we used to play and it was able to see, he sort of drew inspiration of what the band was way back then. And, and funnily enough, this record does seem slightly in a weird way connected to the first one, Running Wild, um, with the rawness and the grit, um, the energy and stuff like that. And so it seems to have all actually worked out really well. Absolutely. And obviously you guys have your own niche with as far as what the band sounds like and what you guys are looking for. Um, how important is it for you guys to maintain that sound, but at the same time, not be repetitive with what you guys are doing? Well, see, that's one of the tricky ones, you know, because um, obviously we're never going to change what we do. We, we, we're too passionate about this kind of sound of rock and roll for us to ever try and change it or anything like that. So basically what you want to do is you want to give people what you do, but more and better. And, you know, we sort of spoke about that with Bob. Um, there's a more, little bit more diversity with the record. You know, you've got songs like Rivalry, as I mentioned, and stuff like that. But in the end of the day, the best way to kind of describe it is if in the past we've given a Jack and Coke. Now we've just tried to give a double Jack and Coke. Cool. Um <laughs> You keep mentioning Rivalry. Is that the one track that really stands out to you or perhaps surprised you when you guys uh, put the album together? It's a track that like, we actually just did the film clip for, um, which is going to be out in, in a few days. Um, it's actually going to be the most brutal film clip we've ever done. It's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just something about it. You know, It's got a slower groove and uh, it's a different slightly different perspective of Airborne. I don't think we've actually made a song that slow, I'm not sure, but um, it's got a really cool riff and, and, and it was just one that I remembered Bob pulling out of us. Obviously, when it comes to the live setting, I mean, I've seen you guys live. I had the privilege of seeing you guys live in uh, Bilbao, Spain, actually, uh, a few years back. And um, your brother's oh. obviously all over the place. And... You're obviously a drummer, and you're fixed in the one position there behind the drum set doing what you do. Are you ever envious when you see your brother climb any of these lighting tresses or climb up on the bars and play or anything like that? Or do you ever think, shit, what's he getting himself into this time? Well, uh, envious, no. I mean, I, I'm literally sitting there with a bucket full of beer. Um, if <laughs> if I tried to climb a truss, I don't think it would work out very well. Um, as far as my brother, you know, things with brothers, you tell one to not do something, what's the first thing he's going to go do? Um, so, you know, touch wood, he just keeps, you know, making, trying to do as you know, safe as possible. And he, you know, he seems to look like he knows what he's doing. And, um, 
it, you know, it, it does, does make the show pretty exciting. Absolutely. And it's funny because as you described that, you know, going back to, um, uh, we started off talking about ACDC a little bit, but I remember years ago, somebody passed on the story as to why Angus was the lead guitarist and Malcolm was the rhythm guitarist. And Malcolm's answer was basically, well, he could go do the guitar solo while I could sit back behind stage and, and keep drinking some beer. So <laughs> the analogy is uh, pretty similar between your story and what I was told so many years ago. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Lemmy was a big part of not only the hard rock scene, but he had a lot that he added to you guys appearing in a video and obviously touring with you guys on more than one occasion. Um, what's the most important thing that you took away from your experience of working with Lemmy in all the different capacities? Well, Lemmy's, uh, the show that they always put on was always amazing and it's great to see how close he was with his road crew. Uh, one thing he did tell us, you know, never change for anybody, don't ever change for labels, they'll come and go, just stay true to who you are. Um, you know, and that's why on the the last track of Breaking Out of Hell record, um, the song "It's All for Rock and Roll" is written about Lemmy, um, and it was the last bunch of it was the last bunch of lyrics we did in the studio, and because we knew that with that title, it had to be about Lemmy. It's all for rock and roll. So he had already passed away when you wrote the lyrics, or it just so happened you guys were writing the lyrics and had him in mind. It was. Uh, it had happened a few months prior, so it was still fresh in our minds. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You guys have toured throughout the world, done a lot of different festivals and everything. Is there one band that you have not yet to play with that you'd love to play with? Uh, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> um, ACDC. Um, yeah. Awesome. It uh, with mentioning those bands, uh, is there any band that you run into that still, after all the years that you have been touring and playing, that you would get awestruck around? Um, I guess, well, I mean, I'm always, it's always crazy. I always like seeing the Maiden guys, Iron Maiden. Um, yeah. I'd love to cross paths with the Rolling Stones again, because that was, I think I was even just too young to realize how important that was. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they usually just come out of nowhere. You know, you'd be walking along and then all of a sudden Slash will come out of a door somewhere in, in a festival and you just kind of put your head down and make sure you get out of the way. <laughs> Have you ever been surprised when someone that, you know, sort of unexpected comes up to you and recognizes who you are at a festival? Well, yeah, I mean, I remember we were playing a show uh, at a festival, um, I think it might have been Sweden, and uh, and then across the stage from where we were, all of a sudden, um, Slash and Miles Kennedy came out, and Slash was wearing an airborne T-shirt, and uh, I was just overwhelmed when I saw that. It was uh, really cool. That's that's when the bucket of beer comes in handy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Where should people go? to keep up with airborne well facebook obviously and uh you know we just revamped the website um and then uh, if you want to you know we're on obviously spotify and cd stores and stuff and actually releasing some pretty cool vinyl and stuff like that and 
Oh yeah, if, if if anything, try and get yourself to a show because uh, that's why that's why we're here doing what we do is to try and put on the best rock and roll show we can. Absolutely, and I can attest to uh, you guys putting on uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen, and that's not blowing any smoke up anyone's ass. That's just plain fact. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. As far as the vinyl is concerned, is there anything you could tell us about what you guys are doing with it? Uh, I think there's an early run vinyls that are coming out with red and black discs and then very soon we're going to have picture discs coming out now as well which we just approved um and i know there's a special edition coming out as well with the song bombshell that'll come with its own bombshell t-shirt with a chick riding a bomb so there's a bunch of stuff going on ryan from airborne and you're rocking out to mars attacks and rock and roll coming from mars and interview news sites to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. There you go. Coming off of the first Airborne album, that's the track... That uh, ends the standard edition, Hellfire. So there you go. Little Hellfire by Airborne. Moving forward, we have the interview from the archives, per se, from Steve Smythe from One Machine. We're going to get into a little track off of the album, The Final Call, and then we'll get right into the interview with Steve before playing a little more One Machine and wrapping things up for the episode. So, all right. So the name of this track is The Grand Design by One Machine.
starting things off here, what are your predictions for the Raiders for the season? <laughs> uh, based on the uh, on the preseason, um, I can tell we we definitely have a, a first um, a starting lineup. Uh, I don't think we have a um, a backup. <laughs> lineup that I'm seeing so far that uh that I think it's convincing enough. So that's uh that's troubling, definitely. Um bit worried about that. But uh you know the hype has has been uh been great about uh about Del Rio. So uh hopefully there's a bit more uh more gas in the tank than uh, than what we saw even uh even last night. I mean that said, you know, those those games are pretty close, but you know, it's it's all about the uh the W, right? So do you think it's fair what ended up happening with Brady and the whole deflate gate thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I actually think that that probably should have happened a lot sooner. I'm not saying that, that anyone knew about it a lot sooner, but it sounds like, like people did. Um, I still want the, uh, the 2000, what was it? 2001 or two, um, AFC, uh, championship game back. <laughs> so, Still angry over that one. <laughs> I could imagine. What amazes me is that they, they actually went and they're going to allow an outside court to determine what takes place within the NFL. I mean, I would think that with any sport uh, league that uh, uh, th- that they're, they're their own governing body and that you would also figure that the government has better shit to do than decide whether you know someone cheated in professional sports <laughs> yeah exactly man you know it's it's uh it's crazy definitely and he he got out of his uh suspension already too yeah as a parent so, so yeah it's pretty uh pretty nuts yeah with all this talk about putting an nfl team in the uk could you do you think it's <laughs> viable to have a team in london uh i really don't think so um, I think if anything, they should uh, they should park a uh, a team in LA and get it over with for, uh, for for the you know for the next ten years or so, and um, you know not really think about expansion and uh, keep the keep the keep the Raiders where where they should be, which is in Oakland. <laughs> so you never know, man. I mean, it it could actually happen over here. It, it seems like the uh, like the interest has grown, to be honest, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember twenty years ago when they uh, when they tried the uh, the arena, uh, not not the arena league, but the uh, the Europe league, wasn't it? Uh, where, which was kind of like uh, like the Canadian league um, that that also happened back uh, back then. And um, I know I used to watch it uh, just to see who the um, who the second stringers were, were going to be coming over, you know, uh, to, uh, to to go play. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever happened to that thing? It, it just kind of kind of went. Yeah, they they when did they do away with it? They did away with it right around the time I think I moved over here to Europe, which oh, is right. twelve years ago. Right. 10, okay. And basically, the league ended up being just in the UK in the end, uh, because it was the only place that really supported uh, the, the teams. So they went from having teams all over Europe to just having I think it was five teams throughout um spread out throughout the uk in the last i think it was like one or two seasons right but right i mean i would think the time difference is the biggest deal because if you look at obviously you know uh, back to the west coast i mean it's eight hours difference yeah so yeah 
it's, it's you definitely need, need a day to recover <laughs> yeah. for, for that kind of thing yeah absolutely i mean let, let alone the uh, the east coast or even even the uh, the midwest you know so that's uh yeah I, I don't see um much logic in it i guess um but i mean that said i mean if, if they you know decided to uh to kind of i guess probably do the uh do the same same europe uh kind of uh, kind of league again and maybe maybe that might work or I mean, what they could do—the thing that I'd thought about in the past—is maybe instead of having, you know, a team permanently there, instead of just doing one game a season, maybe have, you know, the league starts up around now or early September, so have, you know, one or two games in London per month, let's say, and then that way you don't have to worry about expanding over there. Uh, but even still, you still have that that whole crunch of getting the teams over here you they'd probably need the bye week the week after just to recoup and i don't know there'd just be so many so many things that uh logistically that i just i don't know i just can't see it happening yeah yeah you're right no there's there's a there's a lot of variables to that which uh yeah i don't think would would help a team you know coming over from from the states to uh, to do something that uh that physical that physically demanding absolutely um Getting on to music here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've obviously been in a lot of very well-known bands over the years. How does that help open the door or get people to pay attention to what you have going on with One Machine? Right. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's been helpful. I mean, because I've I've had that that career, uh, you know, as uh, as either a member or uh, as a uh, as a sideman to, uh, to to a lot of these uh, a lot of these bands over the years. And you know, I'm I'm a lover of metal, and I think that any anyone that, that digs metal uh, knows all those bands, knows the kind of sound that that I've been able to. Um, uh, help them sustain. Uh, that I've also kind of brought to uh, to the table with with uh, any album that that uh, that I ever wrote with any anybody or participated in. Um, so I think in those two respects, it's probably um, you know the way that that uh, that people would kind of find their way to uh, to one machine. Um, perhaps there's uh, there's a sound that you think might be missing uh, in in today's metal, and if that if if that might be us, uh, then great. <laughs> uh that's uh that, that's that's absolutely uh I've I've heard that a few times already too. They're like, man, no one's you know no one's doing what, what you guys do. I'm like, cool. Well this is, you know, all all I've ever wanted to do uh is is this this you know style that, that we're doing. Which um, you know, a lot of people are saying is is um kind of a mixture of, of a lot of different different styles that they hear. I've never really looked at metal music as being I don't know what's the word for it. So, uh, so segregated, you know what I mean? And, and so, uh, um, just sectionalized and, and everything like that. I, I just look at, at metal as being metal, you know I mean? Obviously, you know, some of the, some of the, the, the long standing, uh, styles, uh, to, to me do, do stand out like death metal, power metal, thrash metal. Um, you know, those, those are distinctive styles, I think definitely, but all, all the, uh, uh, genre stuff and everything else, uh, to me, it's, it's just, uh, it's metal at, at the end of the day, or it's not, <laughs> it's kind of, kind of one or the other, it seems like. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And what you just described is exactly what I got from listening to the album was that it wasn't just 
one thing all the way throughout. You heard different elements and different things that you could pull from what people would classify as different subgenres, and that I think a lot of other established bands wouldn't take those types of chances because, as you're saying, you either have to fit into this box or this other box as opposed to just you know, just letting it go and whatever comes out sort of just comes out you know yeah exactly and and you know we're, we're not the first band to ever you know try and try and get on with with doing this i mean you know practically every band that, that i've ever been in uh maybe with the exception to uh or played with uh with with exception to uh to testament um right off the bat has been one of those those uh style of of um, uh bands to, uh, to to kind of mix it up a bit and not really you know purely draw from from one uh one influence um, so that's, um, yeah, kind of, um, you know, what, what we're really about is, is, uh, is about kind of, um, uh, doing what we like, you know, and, um, really just, just pulling, uh, pulling from, from our own, uh, sphere of, of influences. I mean, for me, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit different as well because we have some, uh, some younger guys in the band, uh, who actually grew up listening to stuff that, um, that I've that I've done or, or been uh, been a part of or, or toured, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's a bit weird, but um, you know they they can they can pull influence from uh, from from that as well. So I look at it from from, uh, from I, I guess from from two perspectives, my own and then also from from theirs, and we bring it together uh, and and jam and and just um, yeah, what comes out is us. Awesome. Do you feel? any type of pressure when composing for right or excuse me for one machine based on your legacy as a musician mm, I, I don't really think of think, think of anything like that I, I look at this whole thing as just a, a musical journey man um and this is you know this is where we're at now and we're uh we're, we're going forward so um no, no, no thoughts at all of of uh, of anything other than than just uh, what comes into the head and comes out of the fingers, and that's that's about it. You know, just just develop it from from there. When you sit down to write material, do you write it for that specific album that you're going to be working on, or do you stockpile ideas and then later pull from that? I kind of uh, well for for this what what we did is we did a bit of. Um, kind of a bit of both. I mean, I already had some, uh, some stuff in mind for, for this, this second record. And, um, the, the one thing I did do is I, I worked with, with Chris, our new singer, Chris Hawkins, and, uh, we got some, uh, some things going melodies. Um, uh, I had some, uh, some lyrical ideas or just concepts of, of, of where, where I thought we should probably go with, with, uh, the next step in, in what, what we're doing, um, with, with the band. And, um, he took those, that, that just kind of vague set of, of concepts and just ran with it and created a, a full, um, kind of almost transparent concept, uh, with, with the, the intertwines in, inside the, the lyrics, uh, that, that we can actually put, um, uh, literally put characters to, but we chose not to, cause we didn't want to make it a, uh, like, like a story or anything like that, but it's, um, it's definitely kind of a, um, um there, there's a bit of third person stuff happening. <clears throat> Excuse mm -hmm. me. And um, it's uh, very reflective of, of uh, you know, events in, in today's world. 
uh, as well. So you can definitely draw back to that. Uh, as far as the music goes, there were uh, there were a handful of, of things that that I just you know kind of had risks for, uh, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to let let this happen in the studio, and we're going to work out what we've got uh, in in pre-production a little bit, so everybody kind of knew where, where the risks were starting. They might have had it in in their head, um, or maybe been been you know feeling a bit overloaded as I was, <laughs> uh, and then uh, we just went in there and we jammed, and uh, where those things went was wherever they went, and we spent um, kind of a, a day on on each of those songs over about uh, five six days, uh, whereas you know the other ones that that we had, we pretty much had them in 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 the bag already uh and just went in there and jammed them and even those you know just by by recording live like that everything just comes to life so much uh you you're watching each other in the studio you're face to face uh you're able to uh to read someone a lot quicker you're able to see that that symbol hit from from uh from the drummer you're able to uh to see someone kind of uh kind of playing the uh playing the riff or uh to hear uh hear chris sing uh over the top as well too you know it just kind of gave us direction uh to uh to go fresh um as opposed to uh to totally rehearsed and uh just you know doing it from there <laughs> so gotcha and how much do you think that influences having everyone there in the studio as opposed to you hear about other projects where people are just exchanging you know files back and forth to uh pretty much piece together in the studio exactly exactly um Kind of two things with that, really. I mean, we took inspiration from uh, from Iron Maiden. I mean, to be honest, and uh, from from a lot of the uh, the seventies era uh, stuff that the uh, the Jews Priest was doing back then. Uh, the way that they would actually go in and actually record, uh, literally live, and then you know maybe some uh, some overdubbing, et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, it seems like this year everybody's doing this this uh, this this new uh, this new idea of uh, going into the studio and playing live. And we uh, we actually were talking about it last year uh, ourselves, and just decided, you know what, we're going to go in uh, at the top of the year and um, hammer it out in about 10 days and uh, because we're kind of budget constrained um, uh, 10 days only and uh, in and out and that's what we're going to do so it was a very high pressure situation uh, to be sure but um, yeah it's uh, there's just something about it you know um, there, there is a, a, a complete magic of, of uh, being able to, to, to jam, being able to, to create like that, um, and um, just instantly get it back when, when you're when you're hearing it back. Uh, everything gets a bit more bit more stripped down. I mean, we did the first record uh, on email like that, and uh, you know, sending over files, etc. Uh, and it, you know, because of the, the distance factor, it really wasn't as enjoyable, uh, to be honest. Um, it, it, uh, became a bit more of, uh, everyone's schedules kind of, kind of coming into play, uh, things getting delayed and pushed back. Um, realistically that record took about two years to, uh, to record and, and mix. Whereas this one, uh, we've, we've gotten everything done or we had everything done realistically within a, a couple of months. Huh. Wow. And that's, you know, that's really the way that, um, I think it should be done, <laughs> uh, you know, budget, budget granted and, and, and everything else like that. But, uh, you know, uh, on top of that, it's, it's fresh and everything's there. Uh, and you're able to, uh, to, to capture that, that moment in time, uh, together as a band, um, the, the, the chemistry, the gelling, uh, the magic. 
That's interesting that you bring up using old tactics to record. I think, as you pointed out, over the last few years, you see all types of, you know, bigger name bands sort of revert back to that, even though maybe they're not recording on tape as they used to, but a lot of bands sort of saying, you know, well, you know, these timeless albums were done during this decade or this decade, and there's a reason why they they became timeless. So a lot of bands are, are wanting to look for something that feels a lot more organic sounding and a lot more, you know, that it, it is, isn't, isn't as linear and sort of breathes a lot more. And definitely listening to this album, you know, you can definitely hear how, you know, not only the, the different influences and the different things that come into play, but that the overall sound sounds, you know, really comes through as opposed to just sounding like an, an another album that's part of the pack. Yeah, yeah, and and that whole you know I think everyone realistically has grown tired of the uh, the whole processed sound, uh, overly compressed, sampled drums uh, that aren't even the actual players' drums, um, you know things like that, impulses and and the the whole uh, digital world of, of of guitar. I mean I'm I'm still old school. Uh, I I play tube amps. Uh, Jamie uh, Hunt, our, our other guitarist, also loves playing tubes. Uh, Stefano. Uh, Salvatico, our, our new bassist, uh, also loved playing uh, playing through you know just through through live rigs like that with 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 uh, tube bass. He plays Ampeg stuff, so you know it's uh, it's all, all tube bass there. And there's just something about it um, that that you you're it's like you're in the room, you know, definitely uh, hearing it go down. Gotcha. And was there anything specific that you guys had planned out with the final call that you wanted to do before you guys even got into the studio? Uh, probably the main thing was to be able to finish 10 songs in 10 days. <laughs> that was our, our ultimate goal. Um, that was the hardest thing on earth, uh, to actually, uh, try and see through as well too. Uh, we had, uh, mistakenly booked our drummer to, uh, to leave. Um, I think it was, uh, two days earlier. Uh, so we actually had to rush and get 10 songs for him done in seven days, uh, which, which we did do. Uh, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, crazy hours for for a drummer. They usually need a lot of uh, a lot of recruit time, uh, and uh, to run a drummer uh, like fifteen to eighteen hours uh, a day uh, for seven days. Uh, Mickey got really uh, actually injured uh, on along the way, and um, ended up. Um, well, he's he's uh, had uh, something happen with with the uh, with with the knee and uh, also with his snare uh, wrist uh, as well. So uh, he's he's since recovered though and, and and in good shape. Being a drummer and hearing that he's playing that that many hours a day, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's painful for me to hear it, so I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he really pulled through, man. He he did a uh, did a great job. Um, it's it's been uh yeah just just one of those things it was really super stressful high pressure situation for for him especially and um for for all of us you know for for that matter but um especially for him because of the physical exertion definitely does the title itself and the actually the title of the album comes from a song obviously but that is that foreshadowing that this is the final call for the band or is this just one of the many albums that you guys have uh, the idea of putting together? Right, right. Uh, well, 
as far as, as if it's for the band, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, we're very, very happy with with uh, with with what what we've done uh, with it, and definitely want to continue. We're uh, we're we're booking out uh, as many tour dates as we can over over in, into 2016 already, uh, as well as um, uh, looking at, at a few festival offers that, that we've had. Um, as far as the uh, the final call, the the concept behind that or or the meaning behind it, we're looking at it as um, a, a look to the future and a look at the present with a foreshadowing to to the future. Uh, we see the rise of technology. Um, just a couple months ago, you had um, Stephen Hawking over here uh, put out a, a press statement um, saying um, warning the uh, the manufacturers of of uh, this artificial intelligence, uh, you know, not to uh, not to get too in depth with it, because uh, he has a feeling that within the next hundred years, um, the um, I guess the the intelligence level of, of AI will uh, will surpass that of humanity, and uh, there's there's a great fear that uh, that that it will actually surpass uh, the human race and mm-hmm. take it over. So that was one of the things that that he was expressing. It wasn't the first time he said it. He said it actually last year as well. I've been thinking this for years. <laughs> so uh, I'm not saying I'm a genius, uh, even on on, uh, on any level, because uh, I'm definitely not. But, uh, you know, it, it just, it's one of those those feelings of like, wow, could this actually get really dark and, and uh, you know, go, go to like, like, like Terminator uh, kind, of, uh, kind of level uh, or, or anything like that. Uh, so we just kind of took that that type of concept and that's where the um where the the, the title kind of uh, kind of came from was was basically thinking about that and how um humanity you know might actually be called uh eventually and and the way that that might actually happen um in, in the first record we talked about the state of humanity in, in the 21st century and, and just the, the the lack of of um i think certain factors that that uh that make a human being what they are, you know, um, as, as we go forward, there seems to be less and less, uh, emotional attachment to, uh, to, to things, to other people, uh, to, uh, to just on, on to, to superficial things, you know, more, more than, than anything and, and a real less, lesser value of, uh, of human life based on, on, uh, geographical location, uh, et cetera, that, that kind of thing. I won't go too far into that, but that's, that's kind of what, what we've seen. Uh, and, um, you know, now we're, we're kind of taking it to, uh, to a different level with, with the concept of, of, uh, well, where is this going to go if it continues, uh, and alongside with this, you know, the, the development of, of, um, technology to, to such a level that, that it could equal, um, uh, the intelligence of, of a human being or, or beyond, uh, when it's in fact created by the same being. Definitely makes you wonder. I mean, there are so many things that have been written about in the past and, that have come to really come to fruition over the last 15 years. <laughs> exactly. So I, hell, I had about two years ago, had had one of these um, Prowler drones fly over my house. So oh, I man. mean, scary as shit to see that. So yeah, I mean, no doubt. I can, I can, you know, uh, I can see where you're coming from with the entire concept. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those. So we we kind of took that and and uh, just ran with it. And uh, within each one of those songs, if you listen to it, uh, it's it's uh, I mean, listen to it and 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 kind of kind of you know blend in with with, with the lyrics. You can kind of get a, a picture of of what what we're trying to tell with that that uh, that story. There's kind of uh, it's. 
oh, what's the word I want? It's it's kind of kind of a a, a multitude of of uh, of stories that that kind of sink in um, song to song, uh, but they all intertwine back to the uh, to the same thing. So it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, the way that 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 we uh, that we ended up with that um, that that entire concept uh but again it's it's not meant to be a concept record um they can stand up as individual songs on their own absolutely and given your history in the industry if you i mean obviously money is probably the biggest difference that there's been over the years but putting money aside what has been the one most significant change that you've noticed over the years Right. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, there's, there's, um, you know, just, just the, the whole thing has, has been, uh, been greatly affected by the, um, by the advent of, of the internet. I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword as well. We're able to get closer to, uh, to, to the fans, uh, but also at the, at the cost of uh, the very thing that we deliver as musicians, which is uh, music. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's really strange, man. Um, because uh, yeah, definitely the, um, uh, as 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 you actually uh, uh, suggested, the uh, the money is definitely different. Uh, everyone's out there playing live. You know, you can catch anyone from uh, from early '50s, uh, you know, the very roots of rock, uh, if if they're still alive and kicking, uh, to, uh, to to present day, out there touring to uh, to try and make it all back because the uh, the money dried up, <laughs> and it's uh, it's one of those things, man. I mean, I I look at it and I go, wow, um, who was who was actually just uh, just over here, Jerry Lee Lewis. Wow, and I was thinking, holy hell! You know what I mean? He's been going since the '50s, and he's still going now, 60, 60 odd years later. So it's like, wow, you know, you, you got him out there. Uh, I, I told this to, to someone else, and they're like, yeah, Frankie Valley's playing down the street. Would I go to Frankie Valley, or would I go to see uh, see Queensrÿche? You know, <laughs> so I mean, the the, the choices are, are pretty, you know, obviously pretty pretty wide ranging, but. Uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, the, the whole nostalgia vibe out there, which is cool. It makes it uh, tougher for, for younger bands, though, at the same point. Like us, uh, this right. is still, still a younger band. Um, for all the stuff that I've done, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, all, all that much in, in, in the sense that um, this band hasn't really pulled uh pulled out all, all the stops and shown uh, its, its, um, its true weight yet. You know, so that's what I think uh, more or less the, uh, the the main thing is, and and that's the same for any young band out there. They they really need those opportunities to uh, to get out there, and um, and show who they are. Do you think streaming really benefits anyone in in music? Does it benefit one machine to be on Spotify or to be on Apple Music or any similar service? I'll be honest, it hasn't. And uh, going forward, we're trying to really push the. Um, we are doing, uh, you know, digital uh, downloads of, of this album, but uh, I've already expressly told uh, told our record company not to uh, to put anything uh, that that we don't release on uh, on any of those those uh, streaming services this time around. It's not very beneficial for young bands. Uh, for older bands, established bands, you know, people always want to hear. You know, uh, you can throw on a radio. Uh, and, and hear those those old classics. It's the same kind of thing, you know. You want to throw on your your Spotify app, and uh, you know, oh, here's here's the old uh, old Metallica or old Judas Priest or, or whoever it is, um, you know, that kind of thing. It's going to work for for bands like that because they've they've been around. Uh, some of those songs are decades old and uh, classics, 
more to the point. You know, for for someone just hearing, um, say, the final call for for the first time, uh, are they going to blow it off uh, immediately? Maybe, but maybe they'll come back to it. You know, a couple months or even a couple years down the line and go, you know what? That's actually a pretty good song. I like that. And that's uh, that's cool. It's going to be there on on Spotify now, uh, and and on Apple Music, et cetera. But uh, the, the the full album uh, won't be, definitely not. Um, we've already released two singles out there uh, so far. Um, Forewarning, uh, just recently, the uh, the first track on the record, and then. Uh, the title uh, track as well, the final call, um, and uh, basically, you know, that's all that we're we're going to have out there for now. Um, just in in terms of that, I mean, there, there's a lot of people playing stuff, but uh, to be honest, it's not really helping us terribly much uh, in terms of of uh, being able to gather uh, some uh, some income to uh, to pay our bills and hit the road, you know, and get out there and play for people. Makes sense. And I think also th- there are a lot of bands that are still focused on on downloading. And I think the bigger issue, honestly, is streaming and just the I think younger listeners aren't downloading anymore. I mean, you may have older you know, people in their 30s or 40s that still want to have a physical copy, per se, of something on their home computer. But I think a lot of younger kids just want that immediate you know benefit with spotify or whatever and don't even care you know about making that connection to the band like older people might so i I think uh personally streaming is is really just i don't know i i just i i personally don't use spotify unless it's to to check out an album that uh that a label or a pr person won't send me but outside of that you know i i prefer to have something that I can listen to at my leisure. I don't know, just different train of thought, I guess. No, I hear you. I mean, it's 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 good in in that respect. If if it's you know actually stopped people um, from from downloading illegally. That said, um, you know they they were saying that uh, a, a year ago or a year and a half ago when we put out um, a distortion as the Overdriven Truth, and we had a ton of streams. Um, healthy amount of, of digital uh, downloads and then very few uh, physical records uh, being sold uh, around the world when, when I was getting these uh, these these statements back. Um, but at the same point, if it helps someone to actually discover the band, that's great. Uh, that might be the only connection that, that we're going to get. Uh, but again, I, I still think it, it helps the uh, helps the older bands. Uh, uh, the more more established bands out there uh, uh, from from, um, from from yesterday's metal uh, that um, you know, that more than it's, it's going to help us uh, the, the younger bands in, in that respect. So we've we've kind of chosen to, uh, to to not do it uh, except under those the circumstances. Usually, when people bring up a desert island scenario, it's usually to pick five albums that you would take with you but instead my question to you is this if you could take one piece of gear outside of your guitar and your amp that you can absolutely live that you can't live without what would that piece of gear be besides the guitar and the amp oh man um well you're talking about electric guitar and and amp so i would say an acoustic guitar (laughs) i gotta have a guitar somehow man I've, I've, i've gotta gotta have one in my hands um I think everything else I can I can pretty much uh, pretty much live without. I mean, I generally just I, I plug in and play. That that's how I do it. Um, you know, add a few effects here and there. Um, but uh, ultimately, yeah, that's uh, 
<sighs> I would, yeah, I would, I would probably have to say that, and that's that's uh, that, that's probably going going around it, isn't it? But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> Uh, you've already mentioned that you guys have dates that you're working on and everything. Where should people go to keep up with information regarding the band? Is there one site you want them to go to? Uh, actually, we've we've got a, a multitude, and and we're, we're growing uh, growing a, a few more as well. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of rattle all of them off as as I remember them. Um, we've got uh, our website, which is feedtheonemachine.com. Uh, we've got our Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash one machine official altogether there. Uh, Twitter.com backslash one underscore machine. Uh, YouTube is one machine TV, TV with capital letters. Uh, we've got a Google Plus, which should just be one machine TV again. Uh, and we're also on bands in town. We'd like to get more people to join that to let us know where you are, so that that way we can kind of see on on a map and go, ah, you know what? We've got to try and try and get over there, uh, that that kind of thing. So if you look for one machine out there, you'll you'll be able to find us. We've got one page out there, uh, I believe, with with an older uh, older photo uh, on it. Um, so shame on me. I need to change that. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's out there as well. Hey, everybody, this is Steve Smythe from One Machine, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it up. Forewarning by One Machine. Want to thank Steve Smythe once again for coming on the show and doing the interview. Uh, posted other interviews he's done lately on Ear Peeler. Uh, they recently played Bloodstock Festival over in the UK. It was cool to see him on there. Again, he's always been great to me in the show, so nothing but, uh, nothing but props for him. There you go. Want to also thank Amy from... Uh, Adam Splitter for setting me up with Ryan from Airborne. Uh, she's always great to work with and just wanted to send a shout out to her. I want to send a shout out to you guys. Thanks everyone for listening to the show. I really appreciate you guys coming here and 
and checking the show out and giving me all types of support on Facebook and social media and uh, people that do drop me a line from time to time. Always great to hear from you. Anyway, we're going to end things with the title track off of the One Machine album. The name of this track is The Final Cull. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 